You're listening to The Digital Entrepreneur, the show for folks who want to discover smarter ways to create and sell profitable digital goods and services. This podcast is a production of Digital Commerce Institute, the place to be for digital entrepreneurs. DCI features an in-depth, ongoing instructional academy, plus a live education and networking summit, where entrepreneurs from across the globe meet in person. For more information, go to digitalcommerce.com. That's digitalcommerce.com. So, Brian, you know, typically when you and I record, um, I'm actually pretty jealous because you're somewhere beautiful like Colorado, and I'm usually stuck recording from my home office in Dallas. But today I'm actually recording in San Diego overlooking the ocean, and I'm not going to lie, it's pretty sweet. Um, I think I get finally now why people move out here. Yeah, I uh, I generally don't turn down opportunities to uh, speak at conferences in San Diego, and yet that's exactly what I had to do, and sent you and Caroline in my stead. Now I got a little nervous when uh, I saw a tweet from Caroline saying, "Why don't I live here?" You know, and <laughs> she's like one of the few people that actually lives here in Boulder. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, oh great, what did I do? I don't want to break any confidences or anything, but she's been talking about it quite a bit, so you might be careful. Yeah, well, <laughs> all right. If you move, you're mo- you're moving to Boulder. I, I don't yes. know what you say. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's no disputing that, not at all. So, okay, so in our last episode, which was the first of the digital entrepreneur, we defined that term and we discussed who actually is a digital entrepreneur. And today, you and I are going to transition into a five-part series that we have planned that will discuss the website, the online presence that a digital entrepreneur needs to succeed. And I mean, this is an idea that you've been kicking around for a while. And, and what was kind of the genesis of it? Take me back kind of to the beginning, to where you started you know, thinking about this, talking about this. Well, if you really want to go back to the beginning, it would be 2010 when we formed the company and decided we wanted to build an all-in-one solution. Now, in 2010, it was literally a different world compared to now. And yet, along the way, we saw things changing. And the cool thing about the way we develop um, products, but specifically software, is that if it's not something that we would use, then you don't build it, right? So Mm -hmm. first and foremost, it's got to be up to the level of stuff that we would actually use. And then so over time, it took us a while to build it, obviously, being a bootstrap company without the war chest of funds uh, to draw from. But it was a it was a great thing. Uh, Number one, the picture of what Rainmaker platform should be became much clearer um, as as time went on. And number two, uh, the type of people we're trying to help the small businesses and the very small businesses have finally come to the point where they're willing to look again at technology investment. Um, Coming out of the recession of 2008, I mean, that just really clamped things down. So you saw that all the marketing automation activity out there went upstream to the enterprise, right? Eloqua, Marketo, even HubSpot uh, went after the bigger companies. And that left a bunch of people hanging dry to a certain degree, but I think that's changing. So when we talk about digital entrepreneurs, though, this is a specific use case 
And because that's the kind of company that we are, I think the, the platform reflects a lot of that functionality for purely digital businesses, even though it's obviously uh, very useful for professional services or other type of traditional businesses. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what the Raymaker platform allows you to do is to, to kind of build this modern marketing website, which we're going to talk about. So let's, let's discuss these five elements that, that you've come up with for a, a modern marketing website. And, and the first one is email, right? Yeah. So this is not a commercial for Rainmaker platform. Don't worry. This is literally, I think you'll find that these are the bedrock elements that you have to have. And I don't think anyone is arguing that email is dead anymore. And the fact that we had that conversation over and over and over, over just the 10 years that Copyblogger has been around is somewhat humorous, but also somewhat annoying. It's, yeah. it just shows a, a fundamental lack of understanding about how things work by, I think, well-intentioned, but somewhat naive social media pundits. I mean, they, they didn't ever really have any chops in the digital world. You know, they didn't build real businesses. They were, you know, they were pontificating uh, about uh, the, the impact of social media, which has been, of course, huge. It, it, it's hard to even quantify how much things are different now that social media has gone mainstream, but it did not kill email. And we have our favorite statistic, which still holds true that email converts the sales 40 times greater than social media promotions, 40 times, mm -hmm. not 40%. Some people get confused 40 times. That's a, yeah. that's a gigantic ratio there. Yeah. And I believe that's a McKinsey number that it that is you're, that you're citing right there. Okay. So that's, Email and and what's interesting is as we go into the second element of a modern marketing website. You and I talked about this actually last week, and you originally had these two kind of in separate ones, and and we talked about it and combined it, which is adaptive content, which includes a website being mobile responsive. Yeah, I almost wanted to carve those out because we jumped on on responsive design very early from a mainstream perspective with Studio Press, and I think that was important. Um, because to this day, Jared, if you go to a site on your phone and you get hit with that tiny little text, I mean, you have to really want it not to hit the back button, mm -hmm. right? You know, I mean, it has to be mission critical. Yeah. So, but when you think about this concept of adaptive content, first and foremost, the site itself has to display the content. It has to adapt to the device you're on, first and foremost. So we're not even talking about choosing amongst the best content to serve up to someone, which is the more sophisticated definition. First and foremost, if someone wants to read an article or check out your homepage or your sales page, and they can't because they're on a phone or even a tablet where the experience is substandard, you're going to lose that sale. You're going to lose that visitor. You're going to lose that audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's really... And it wasn't too long ago that responsive design was considered cutting edge. It's mandatory now. Even Google uh, will designate whether your site is mobile friendly or not. So it's a must have. And the fact that I still run across the, this many sites day in and day out on a mobile device that, that I can't consume the content is just shocking to me. Yeah. And these are major sites too. You mm -hmm. know, It's not just mom and pop. 
Beyond that, though, the next step when we, when we talk about an adaptive experience is how do we give people the logical and best next step for where they are on the journey that they're on? And, and how do you become the choice ultimately for the product or service? Well, uh, if you're the one who serves up the next step uh, in a uh, kind of uninterrupted uh, fashion, then you're going to win, right? So, you know, if you've got someone at a certain point in the journey and then they go find the next step somewhere else because you couldn't deliver it, that's another way to lose the sale. Uh -huh. So adaptive is really... Uh, it sounds kind of neat and uh, cool and cutting edge, but it's really, I think, one of those necessary elements of modern website survival, getting uh, to more of your prospects with the right information at the right time, no matter what device they're on, and then closing that sale. Yep. In other words, the right piece of content at the right time for the right person on in a format that's that fits the device that they're on yeah that's it's one, it, about. yeah that's that's really been kind of the melding that you and i came to uh not long ago which is you know it seems like design and content are two different things but it's really one thing when we talk about a website yep all right so we've got email we've got adaptive content and then next is the access experience talk about that well there's a lot of things here one, I think, is if the definition of content marketing is giving away content that you could have sold, that it's so good that people would have paid money for it, then uh, one thing you really got to look at is uh, offering up online education, a course in a proper learning management system and all of that as your lead magnet. Because the cheesy free ebook or, you know, just sign up for our ease, uh, newsletter or, you know, I mean, things that have worked in the past, uh, it, it's getting tougher out there. Um, so that of course is something that you would have to register and, you know, is a protected form of content, but it really, you know, goes to what are our most valued experiences online? You have to register for it and you have to log in to experience it. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google, Amazon, Apple, right? And I think it's important psychologically that you emulate that, that you are a login-worthy uh, destination for people. And then the final point here, which we'll talk in more detail, it, it solves the cookie problem that marketing automation has. When Again, when people are, are accessing you on different devices, you need an identity point that allows you to understand, oh, this is the person who was here before on their Mac, and now they're here on their iPad or their iPhone. Mm -hmm. And the logging in aspect of that, you know, it's no mistake that Facebook and all of these other uh, big web properties want you to log in. I mean, it's a functional thing. We don't think about it, but it's also an identity thing. And I'm not trying to be creepy here. I'm trying to say, use the ability to know who's there to provide a greater experience. And yeah. 
that's what people are looking for. Yeah, and that allows you to smartly adapt the content as we talked about before. So, so, and, and we've talked, you know, you've talked about this a lot, you know, the importance of the logged in experience and, and getting people to, to register to log in with you. So then you need something valuable to compel them to, lo- to, to, to join, to log in. And you actually mentioned this already, but talking about courses and, and that is a lead magnet. Why is that such a good way, a good uh, uh, offer to get people to log in and, and, and have that access experience with you? I mean, this, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to solve a problem and or, and or satisfy a desire that go hand in hand. Um, online education is a $15 billion a year industry and growing fast. So um, what kind of experience are, are people willing to pay for? Uh, that has always been, to me, the guiding principle of, okay, what is it that I need to offer? What kind of experience can I give someone? And, you know, I'm eating my own dog food, even on my personal project over at Unemployable, right? You know, I set out to record those three webinars um, as a bonus, no pitches, not selling anything for the early audience. But I knew I was going to uh, group that together and turn it into a course going forward as I try to attract a larger audience because it has value, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not some shoddy kind of half attempt uh, at getting your email address out of you. It's like over-deliver, over-deliver, and maybe you'll listen when I do have something to sell, mm-hmm. if ever. <laughs> yeah. Employable. Well, and that's, that, that very same model was followed with uh, the original New Rainmaker podcast, where you and Robert took those initial episodes, put that into a course with some webinars on there, and it worked great and, and you know built that list, got people to log in. And that's exactly what you're looking for. It was. I mean, we launched our biggest product or service, really, with what was essentially a reformatted podcast into a course that was more of an experimental thing. I didn't know how it was going to work out, but it was definitely instructive in our go forward strategy because we did say, oh, my goodness, this really worked well because the old adage of educating people enough to do business with you. I mean, that you saw that in spades. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think those are really useful examples because I know just with people that I've talked to, creating a, a course brand new out of nothing can seem kind of intimidating sometimes. And that's where you don't have to do that. I mean, both of these courses that you've just talked about, they came from free content that you were going to create for they projects. Were, they were both repurposed. Exactly. Right? So I'm doing a podcast, but I know that I want a course eventually. Yep. Uh, I'm doing some webinars, you know, a couple of years later, but I know that I want it to be a course. So you plan with the end in mind. And I knew the theme each time, but I was doing the work for another reason anyway. And it, to me, it's so much easier a pill to swallow, right? Than mm-hmm. sitting down and go, I got to do this work in addition to the other work I'm doing. No, make <laughs> it your work, right? right? Just be strategic. All right. So we've talked about email, adaptive content, the access experience, and then courses as lead magnets. And now tying all of this together is testing. You got to test everything, right? Yeah. You know, and we've definitely uh, done our share of testing over the years, but I don't think we can say we had a culture of testing. We were always building. Mm -hmm. We were always launching. 
We were always trying to maintain our regular content flow. And, you know, I mean, sometimes something's got to give. And, and that was the thing that we so often said, we should test this, but dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as you know, and uh, you're neck deep in it, uh, Joanna Weeb is on board helping us out. Uh, I'm ex so excited about all of it right now because being able to take what you've built and put out there, you shipped, but now you get to optimize. Mm -hmm. And I just want to impress upon people that this is where the magic actually happens. Uh, you discover things that you just really didn't realize um, or you had an intuitive hunch. Uh, we're right a lot of times, but I guarantee you we're going to find some things we've been wrong about. And hey, great. Yep. I'm happy about that. Yeah. No, it's been great. I've learned so much just in the last month, and it, it does. It's, it's energizing. It really is. And so I, I can't wait to move forward with it. So, okay. So this episode, Brian, it's kind, it was kind of like an appetizer sampler, you know, where you get a bite of each one of these. But over the next five episodes now, we'll dive in to each one of these, go into more depth. Uh, you know, really get into how all the digital entrepreneurs out there can use these concepts and these ideas to help further their businesses. Yeah, I want to, you know, share uh, a combination of best practices in each area uh, mixed in with our own experiences, our own case studies as a digital commerce company. Um, to a certain degree, these elements are universal. Uh, regardless of the type of business that you have. But I think this podcast gives us an opportunity to be very specific about, okay, this is what it's like in this context of selling digital products and services. And I think that kind of specificity is going to be uh, very helpful. Yes. So Brian, it's beautiful outside. I'm thinking I may go take a walk uh, by the water before you my next appointment beach. for the day. I'm going to go skiing. <laughs> well, I don't ski. I'm just saying that to sound cool, but it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> I've got a great view. You've got a great view. That's all. Yes. Let's go enjoy it. And we will talk to you next week on the next episode of The Digital Entrepreneur. All right, Jay. Take care. Take care, everyone. <laughs>